All right. Um, no, I think that one had me saying go at the beginning. Every time. <laughs> That's okay. Every one of our podcasts right. start with us talking about whether or not we're synced up, so we'll keep <laughs> it in for the course. <laughs> True that. Um, all right. This is week nine. Week nine. And today, I'm so glad we lost the adaptations on these comics and that the, <laughs> the things are starting to get a little more chill, which is funny. Because I think next week we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy, and that has two comics for it. Yeah, it does. Also, um, I guess we should make it known now, uh, within the last couple days, Marvel just announced that Infinity War is actually coming out a week early, which is nuts. Uh, And normally would be the most exciting thing in the world, but I feel like universally everyone has been doing this MCU rewatch, and there was a week for every film and now there's just like a giant fuck you by putting it out a week early obviously well intended but a fuck <laughs> you nonetheless damn marvel for releasing your movies early which is very so, surprising you never see that such so close to a release date moving a movie up yeah even if it's a week like they they have like release dates slotted like years in advance for movies yeah um it's bizarre uh so Next week, we're actually going to be doing Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I guess just in the same week. We'll do it in a single podcast. Yeah, we can make those. We can do those in a single podcast. That makes sense. Um, they take very close, take place very closely together. They're this like a sequel to one another. And it does take place before, or at least at the same time as the Age of Ultron, so it makes sense to do both then. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be kind of a long one, because we'll have, I think, three comics to do in two movies. Mm. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, and I don't think I've seen Volume 2 since it came out in theaters, so that'll be interesting. Oh, really? I, I did a rewatch of it uh, a, few, a few months ago. It's still awesome. All right, so uh, on subject, though, we will be talking about uh, Winter Soldier Infinite, the comic, which is kind of the prelude to uh to captain america winter soldier um so this one's written by peter david uh who did a bunch of the adaptations that i wasn't crazy about but i mean he is a competent writer uh one one of, one of the greats really um and he did a pretty good job with this one it's a little boring like not a ton happens I didn't really care for the comic itself, but it had important tie-ins for an MCU comic, I think. So, we have a group of people stealing the Zodiac, which is some test tube with unknown contents in it. Um, they don't actually explain what it is. But, uh, I forgot, the Agent uh, Carter one-shot that we watched but never talked about and said it was just kind of a tie-in to uh, the Agent Carter show, which is true. Uh, she's actually stealing the Zodiac back from someone. Oh. Um, so... My cats are trying to open the doors. Here. Oh, sorry about cat technical difficulties uh, in the meantime. I didn't realize that uh, this was this was uh, mentioned in Agent Carter, the Zodiac virus. Yeah, it's in the one shot. It's the, the vial she's getting or whatever. It's got the Zodiac symbol on it. That's the one they're trying to steal. Oh, nice. So. It's a good little tie. And it works too because Carter, Carter and Cap, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we see uh, Black Widow and Brock Rumlow in uh, in this, which is a good tie-in. Um, and 
And there's really only two things to take away from this. One is that uh, Cap has been told that... Uh, uh, Atticus, stop opening the door. <laughs> um, Cap has been told that the Zodiac has been... Uh, that the S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't have it. Um, and it was safer to tell them that. So they... Uh, <laughs> This door's got a lock. He keeps opening it from the outside. It's actually really impressive. Sorry, when Jeremy's cat is, is a bit more intelligent than him, and he's currently being outwitted by Atticus, who is a smart cat, so, you know, it happens. But just It's true. He's pretty dumb, so it's <laughs> Um, All right, so... So Brock, who will later become Crossbones. Yeah. So we see him in here... Um, so, so it kind of sets up the whole thing that, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is telling lies and keeping people out of the loop for the sake of safety and security. Uh, so that starts off. And another thing we see is Cap has his S.H.I.E.L.D. colors on, but the way the artist draws it is you can see its paint over top of his actual S.H.I.E.L.D. colors. So the paint's kind of starting to come off in the thing, which is an interesting uh, art artistic choice there. Um... It makes me realize that Cap only has enough vibranium for the one shield. Cap only has the one shield. So at the start of Winter Soldier, when we see the new colors on the shield, that's just paint. It's the same shield. Mm. And they kind of... I, I looked this up. Um, they kind of uh, enforce that in this comic by showing that it's very obviously a paint job um, that's starting to come off on his original shield just to kind of hide the bright colors, right? Interesting. I didn't pick up that at all. Yeah. And it, it suits it because it goes with his uh, his secret Avengers uniform that he's got on in the entire movie, where it's just the star, the stripes, and there's no red. It's all dark colors, and that kind of fits with uh, the theme of the entire movie, where you know it's showing that Shield's getting a little darker, and Cap's kind of not on the same page as them in the way he was before, uh, which is interesting. So. Yeah, that's pretty much all to take away from that movie. Or, sorry, that, uh... Uh, comic? Yeah, just a small little kind of prelude comic that doesn't doesn't add a whole lot, but, you know, get, get introduced yeah. to, to Crossbones, who will, you know, when he switches to... When he revealed that he's Hydra, and you see him again in Civil War, just, I guess, a nice little character introduction. Yeah, single-issue uh, single comic, so kind of small stuff. Yeah, well, I've never read, um... Because I'm going to read the Black Panther prelude before I see the movie, but that'll be the first time that I've actually read a prelude before watching the movie, you know, without having the foreknowledge of what happens in a movie, so it's going to be interesting to see, like, what that's like. My first one is going to be, uh, Infinity War, actually. Um, oh, yeah, because you saw Black Panther, true, so yeah, you'll get caught up in, yeah, yeah that's why, we're going into Infinity War, I want to be completely caught up in the MCU, which, that just, I just have to do, essentially, I think, finish up the the season of S.H.I.E.L.D. and do Jessica Jones when that comes out next week, and I think that's all I need to do, and I'll be caught up. That's my goal. Um... Yeah, since this is going to be kind of a shorter podcast, I feel, uh, I'm going to go ahead and rant for a bit. Um, I'm, I'm trying to do that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm behind on. Uh, I got Star Wars Rebels that I'm going to be... I, I've, I've got ready to go. I need to knock yeah, that out. Maybe be tomorrow. blazing through that. Yeah. Um, season 2 of Agent Carter I have to knock out at some point. That'll be later for sure. But with Jessica Jones Season 2 coming out next week, uh, me and Cheryl have really been doubling down on Punisher. We just started watching it uh, yesterday. And, man, 
uh, I don't want to say uh, spoilers for those who haven't seen it. It's still semi-fresh. But uh, there, there was a, a plot twist that I called um, earlier in the... Uh, earlier in the series, right away, um, that I, that I knew was gonna happen, and, um, I'm gonna type it to you over Skype, uh, <laughs> that I knew was gonna happen, and they were trying to kind of push you away from thinking that was gonna happen, and it, it finally got confirmed uh. at the end of the last episode I watched, and I was like, I knew it, and I'm so happy, because I love that character, and I did yes. not know that, but uh, that's that's good. Like, I, I, I knew, obviously, because I've finished now what happened, but going in, I definitely didn't think that was going to happen, or I didn't have any foresight that, that was going to happen, but it, it made sense in the <laughs> plot of the story. So we're trying to knock that out. we got seven episodes left, and then we can go hard on Jessica Jones, because I'm so excited for that. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that'll be easy to watch. I need to knock out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter Season 2, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to try and have that all done before Infinity War comes out, which is getting closer and closer. But, you should get Agent Carter uh, done, because the, just because, just that way, because you only have a couple episodes, and that's over forever, because like, that's been outstanding for you for a long time, so you should try and get that, just pop that out, then you can just focus on the ones that are currently airing. I think that'll make it a bit easier for you. I think I'm going to try and prioritize uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because I keep seeing stuff online, so i got to get caught up before it gets spoiled. This season's been really good of S.H.I.E.L.D., probably one of the, probably the best season. Like, if it keeps up for the rest of the season, we'll definitely one of the best so far. Um, but, uh, I've got some current comics that I'm checking out and stuff. Again, not saying how, uh, but the, I think issue one of the Infinity War Prelude has just come out and next week they're actually coming out with part one of the, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Prelude. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to avoid reading them until just before... Uh, Infinity War comes out and try and read them all right beforehand. So I'm like, even though I haven't done them before, still doing them in the correct order. True. So that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. So let's move on to Winter Soldier, directed by Anthony and Joe Rousseau, which Rousseau unexpected that they got cast as directors well it's been fun doing this podcast with you but uh this is my where i bow out i'm, I'm done after, after that but uh, it's game over uh, your reaction to my puns are 90 percent of the reason I <laughs> but yes the rousseau brothers which as we were saying in the last podcast with like indie directors who haven't really done anything i mean if you were to if you were to say like oh i want like a captain america sequel it's gonna be a big one i want like Top two directors. Like, oh yeah, I know these guys are Russo Brothers. They directed a couple episodes of Arrested Development. Directed a couple episodes of Community. They did a movie with uh, Owen Wilson. and a, What movie? You, Me, and Dupree. Which I've never seen. But I remember seeing trailers for her. And, like, it's a romantic comedy. It's like, you see, like, You, Me, and Dupree did one Welcome to Collinwood. Which I think I did see. It was awful with, uh, um, was it Ray Romano? No, it's, sorry, I'm thinking of it. This is a different movie I want to think of. But, like... These very indie, like, very, very indie movies that didn't really, like, have a whole lot of attention. And then they say, oh, yeah, why don't you direct Captain America the Winter Soldier? And they did, and they killed it. Yeah. Uh, this movie's five-star for me. Um, and we, 
we don't get a lot of five stars in these. And now that we're giving out five stars, I'm going to actually retract a couple five stars. Uh, spoiler alert, Doctor Strange is getting knocked down four and a half for me, I think. Yeah, I knocked down. I, th I think I had Doctor Strange at four and a half, and I knocked... It's either four and a half or I knocked down to four. I can't... But from this point forward, there's no... Everything is four or higher. Like, I think this is the movie that kind of kickstarts kick starts a higher echelon of the MCU universe. Like, this is like... I think the MCU right now is at it in top form, and it started with this. Not that it was bad to begin with. It was, it's been great since the start, but I think it's gotten even better and this is the first solo like the Avengers for me got five stars but this is the first solo movie so far for me to get five stars and uh again I remember this coming out uh don't remember where I saw a lot of them but I was at Yorkdale which we've seen a couple movies at um mm -hmm. and uh getting my Winter Soldier I keep the cups I don't have a ton of them anymore I think I got rid of some of them or someone got rid of them for me uh I usually keep the cups but I don't think I've gotten rid of a single uh, drink topper from any of the movies. So I have my Winter Soldier one. I actually have, uh, I got a couple from them, but I got two somehow. Uh, there were the the blue and silver shield keychains, and I have one still on the stand, and one is attached to my keys and is worn as fuck, but uh, I love it. Um, so I still have some of the stuff from that. But I remember going, and the lady who was checking me out at the uh, um, the vendor or whatever popcorn stand was like, "Oh, like, are you a Captain America fan?" And I was like, "No, I, I don't really understand why anyone's a Captain America fan. Like, he's a cheesy character, and like, especially being Canadian, like, how are you really supposed to cheer for a Captain America?" <laughs> and like, I liked him in Avengers and stuff, but the first Cap was pretty good, and and you know, as as only grown on me since, but. Coming from Captain America 1, it was kind of a, you know, one of the weaker movies for me. Um, and I remember walking out of Winter Soldier and being like, holy fuck. What did I just see? That changes everything. Yeah. Um, which is kind of how it was like when I saw Dark World. I saw the same thing about Thor. I'm like, I never thought I could enjoy him that much. Um, because, like, just dark elves and shit like that. Like, that's that's my shit. That's cool. Um and this movie blew everything out of the water for me. Uh, this one's a lot easier for me. People that want comic recommendations. I haven't read the Winter Soldier comics. Um, I was familiar with it, so I knew what the plot twist in this movie was going to be. But uh, Ed Brubaker's run on Captain America starts off with some stuff and then goes into a whole Winter Soldier arc. So I would definitely recommend that to most people. Um that is 50% of what this movie is about. The other 50%... I want to say it's Jonathan Hickman uh, that did it. Um, now, it's a bunch of people, too. I think there's Bendis on there. I have a huge omnibus. It's like 150 bucks for the entire Secret War series. And that I read after seeing Winter Soldier. Um, had no reason it was realized, realization it was related. So Secret Warriors obviously ties into Season 3 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes, that's when they start putting together um, Daisy and the, and the team. Yeah. So half of it's about that, and the other half is about Nick Fury finding out that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been um, controlled by HYDRA since Cap's days, and he had no idea. So they took huge uh, stuff from that, which is really interesting, because that ties into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a lot. Um but yeah, so if I had recommendations for people, I would say Secret Warriors and Winter Soldier, 100% are the tie-ins that, that you could really appreciate if you watch the movie. Nice. 
Yeah, this this um, is a this is a very very good movie, and uh, and I I would, it would like like you said like Captain America like like you at least read you know started reading comics after the movies and stuff, so you had some idea. But like for me, Captain America like you always seem like that lame as fuck, like just like you know super corny like America's number one type vil- or hero. So when they actually have like when these movies actually end up like the the Captain America trilogy is probably the best of the, all the trilogies that have been released in the MCU so far. Like. I would never have thought yeah, that. Like, I would be giving two of them five stars. And even one of them four. Like, the weakest one I still think is great. So, I, that's what I mean. Like, the fact that this was such, like, a an excellent movie, I wasn't really expecting. I was expecting to be good, because it's the MCU, but I wasn't expecting to be this excellent. And that's why I was really, I was also blown away by it. Like, I mean, I'd be like, holy crap. Like, this is, like, this is an excellent movie. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think the strongest part, uh, there's so many parts about this movie that I love. But the strongest part of the Captain America series is relationships. Um, in every single one, because it's like they got Russo brothers for two of them, and then it's just Joe Johnston doing the first one, and he nailed Cap as a character and really characterized him super well. Um, and the more I watch it, the more I appreciate it. But I also really love the love story. Uh, it ends on such a tragic note, and you just kind of feel for the characters, and it's great. It's pretty well done, like four star, awesome. Um, and. So the trilogy really comes down to relationships. So the first movie, the best part is, you know, his relationship with Peggy, I would say. That that kind of kills it for me. That that really yeah. makes the movie work. That's definitely one of the all-around in stronger this, romances in the uh, in the MCU. Yeah. In this, it's his relationship with Black Widow that I think is my absolute favorite part of the entire movie. Um, and then the third is obviously his relationship with Tony. That, that propels the movie. Yeah. Um, and their relationship is so iconic to the Avengers and politically the world that it, it makes the entire movie the way it works. So, but this one, uh, this is my favorite Black Widow arc. Like, this is like Loki in Thor Dark World good. Like, they just absolutely develop her as a character in such a good way. Um, disrespect the hell out of it. Uh, so, they do a lot of good stuff in this movie. Another thing I thought was interesting, too, is that they kind of have Cap throwing it off by being a bit of a dick. Like, like his relationship with Sam Wilson and, like, making a friend is kind of about him being a dick at first. You know what I mean? He's running past Sam Wilson, and you've got the great line where he's, on your left, <laughs> on your left. And, uh... You know, he's running past him, and he goes, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it! He goes, on your left. And so, like, Cap's obviously being an ass. He's a super But he's, like, not, like, he's being an ass, but kind of, like, he, like, he's not, like, I think he's just, like... Playfully. Yeah, playfully, that's what I'm looking for. Like, just... It's like when friends, like, mock each other. But that's a weird Cap thing, though, at the same time. Like, that's not really what I would expect. Yeah, yeah, fair point, fair point. So, I found it an interesting choice, um... And then he, he kind of almost goes overboard where he's like, he's like, oh, maybe we'll, uh, we can go for, you know, I'll see you next time we go for a run or whatever. If you call that running, that is. And then Sam goes, oh, it's going to be like that. He goes, oh, it's going to be like that. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I don't know, it's interesting that they like kind of play with each other like that. I wonder if that kind of had to do with maybe how his relationship with Bucky was, which was clearly his only friend. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I find that interesting. Yeah, it's it's like the seeds of the relationship because I, I really that's another relationship I like in Cap is Cap and Cap and Sam like I really like their uh, 
like like uh, like the line I think it's in Civil War like people end up shooting at you always end up shooting at me too like just that he's always there and got his back and like I I really like the the way that they've layered their relationship between through the movies. Yeah, I like I like the introduction to Sam Wilson. It's super important, and he's just a likable guy from the get go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I really like Anthony Mackie as a personally, but as an actor, he absolutely kills it. I think this Sam Wilson is next level. It's super good, super likable. Mm. Um, and then he he's got his list, and I, I like how Sam's also like, oh man, that must be weird coming back, you know, and being thought out of things and out of that ice, you know, out of that ice and how, you know, things, the world's totally changed. And I feel like most people would say that and, and Cap's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. But being someone who, you know, was in the army and kind of came back from a war, that's a very relatable thing. So I feel like Sam is saying that, obviously being like, I don't know what that's like, but at least has some idea of what's going on to be able to comment without sounding like he's a dick, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so he, he's talking to me, he's like, oh yeah, you know, it's not bad, uh, you know, polio's not a thing anymore, that's super great, the internet, so helpful, you know, and like, <laughs> it's like, otherwise it's, you know, it's different, and then he goes, uh, Trouble Man soundtrack, Marv, like, that's all, that's all you need, is the Trouble Man soundtrack, but then he goes, oh, I'll, I'll write it on the list, and then he whips out his little notepad, and he's got... Which is another great thing too. Like this. Is oh yeah, no fat. I meant to pause. I did see a few of the things on it. I meant to pause and see what's actually it's, on there. It's 2013, Cap. Like write it on your phone, but he's still got a notepad and a pencil that he's writing this stuff down on, or a pen or whatever. And I find <laughs> that really funny and kind of subtle. Uh, and on his list, he's got, he's got I Love Lucy, um, and, and in brackets, television show because he doesn't know what these things are. <laughs> uh, he's got the moon, moon landing, uh, Berlin Wall. And then in brackets, up and down. Oh, yeah, true. I didn't even put that uh, together. The whole time he was there, the Berlin Wall went up and down. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs, Disco, Thai Food. And then he has Star Wars slash Trek. And he's actually crossed out Star Wars, though. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's, so he's, he's watched that. He's got Nirvana, in, you know, in, in brackets, band. <laughs> uh, and then at the bottom, he says Rocky. And then in brackets it goes Rocky two? <laughs> like that's amazing because I like that I like that they play into that because yeah he's been when, imagine like you you know got cryogenically frozen tomorrow and woke up in seventy years like that's gonna be a crazy ass difference in the world so and, and they make jokes about it in the Avengers but there's not really much time between uh, the first Captain America movie and the first Avengers <laughs> where he can like really kind of research the world and like you know start to acclimate to it and like that's I like that they kind of showed that between Avengers and this movie he's trying to like Sort of get grip on the world he's living in now. Hmm. I understood that reference. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that line. <laughs> uh, that, that's there's an Adam Warrock track literally called that reference. Oh, really? No, and, uh, and that's that's the hook. He's like, I understood that. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, or, or or later on in the movie uh, when they're at the computer in the the hidden base there where they find Zola, and uh, it's like, do you want to turn on the computer? And then um, Black Widow goes, would you like to play a game? And then she's like, it's a reference from a movie. He's like, yeah, no, I saw it. <laughs> the fact that Cap has seen uh, War Games kind of surprises me, though. That's a pretty... Uh, I don't think most people have probably seen that. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Well, there you go. So that's, that's actually a great movie with Matthew Broderick, but uh, that's, a, that's pretty obscure. That's actually a fairly obscure reference. Oh, man, yeah, this entire time, not gonna lie, 
thought it was a Saw reference. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, there's a movie in the 80s where Matthew Broderick, like, hacks into, like, um, a government mainframe and accidentally, like, triggers World War Three by, like, playing games with the computer. So that, that's where that's from. From Saw. <laughs> so, yeah, if anyone else thought that was a Saw reference, please, uh... Hit me up. Let there me know you go. Alone. Yeah, let me know he's not alone. And also download and watch War Games because it's an excellent, excellent piece of 80s cinema. Um, <clears throat> except for the downloading part. We don't we don't believe in piracy. True. Pay for it at your nearest uh, retailer, please. Blockbuster. Well, you can de- you can download movies legally, right? You can download like uh, from the store. Well, oh. I guess not downloading. It's worth streaming. But yes. Probably support. That's that's a thing, right? Yeah, support Marvel and we, Disney. They really need your money, so make sure to be make sure to be there to uh, to give them your money. We we know this is a thing because we do it regularly. Right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, I feel like every scene in this movie is just fucking awesome. Like, shit. When when he's in the plane with Rumlow and he jumps out of the plane, and. Uh, I also love the the nonstop like Black Widow being like, "How about that girl in accounting? What what about her?" And he's like, mm, "Yeah, I don't know. Eh, I'm too busy." Um, he jumps out of the plane, and then one guy goes, "Is he wearing a parachute?" And then Brock Rumlow goes, "No, no, he wasn't." <laughs> and then he just fucking flies down into the water, and then uh, you know gets onto the Lemurian star there, and that whole scene, that shield, I'm obsessed with. Uh, for, for, I've been, uh, Cheryl does not like your avatar. Um, My avatar? She, yeah, she doesn't like your avatar. My Doom guy? Because he's, yeah, because he's got no sleeves. She doesn't like there's no sleeves on his That's head. That's like a G, like, that's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator. You don't need sleeves when you're a, when you're a badass. Oh, I'm sorry, have you, Jeremy. Have you ever hung out with me in the summer? <laughs> yeah, Touche. Jeremy, I'm sorry to tell I don't you, in but uh, you and Cheryl had like a good run. Like it was honestly, like it was a really good run. But I, I think like if she's there, just tell her like it's over. Like you know, it's time to it's time to pack up the bags and hit the road after that comment. <laughs> I don't know that I've even really played Doom longer than five minutes, but right away I was like, you got that from Doom, didn't you? Oh, good. Uh, best game ever made. Great, great. I just I just love all that. Like like, you you know Rich's avatar, the uh, the guy with the, the fedora. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I'm like, this is, what is this, a fashion show? You look like your guy's going to walk down the catwalk. Like, this is a gaming avatar. Make him look like a badass. I don't want to see, like, your your pimp coat and your top hat and your shades. And, uh, come on. <laughs> uh, so Sam's avatar has uh, this dope Doom outfit on. It just looks really good. Uh, and green. I like green. So yeah. Right. Um, mine, I think you had to buy suits because when they brought out avatar awards in halo reach you could get you could earn the helmets from certain avatars um yeah that's right you're right and then when you you had halo waypoint if you did something crazy you had to get like four really hard to get achievements you got this blue eod helmet and so i bought the blue uh carters i think um his suit so it would pair with that blue helmet. And I haven't changed it since Halo Reach came out. Love how it looks. I actually was checking out some Avatar items. My Avatar is a fucking mustache. I had no idea. Oh, really? 
<laughs> He's a mustache on the, the helmet, helmet because I was dicking around <laughs> and never changed it. And uh, yeah, yeah. To say why change so, perfection? Yours, yours is awesome too. I mean, there's no, there's no need to yeah. change it, right? But I'm with you. Like, I, and then I, I like the idea of like having like a I, costume from like a game, or like you know, rather, rather than just having like a top hat. Poor Rich, he's taking a beating in this podcast. Just put on suit of armor, dude. Join the club. <laughs> you hear that, Rich? You hear that? Uh, so, so. Uh, my, my avatar also has Cap's stealth shield with the blue and the silver, and it goes with his blue armor. And and it's an avatar item that I paid for, because I'm like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. But also, he pulls out the shield, and then it shows him jump out of the out of the plane, and then he falls through the sky with it on his back, and then last minute, he pulls it out and does a somersault on the ground with it, and then like goes up, he's surrounded by trees, and he's got the shield up, and I... I took a screenshot recently of him holding the shield, and that's my new gamer picture. I fucking love nice. it. Nice. Uh, so yeah, as I said, the shield is is on my keychain, and I love the color scheme. Uh, so he's got a Secret Avengers outfit on, the star and the stripes going over his shoulders. He's going around and knocking everyone out with, out with the shield. And in this scene alone, the stuff he does with the shield surpasses anything they did in Captain America: The First Avenger. Like he just, they fucking what a great scene. Um, so on the Lemurian star, we have, uh, what is it, Algerian pirates, I think? Those damn Algerian pirates, they, they know how to work me up. And they, uh, kidnap Jasper Sitwell. Who, spoiler, for, he's Hydra. He's spoiler, he's Hydra. For those who have been following along with the MCU one-shots and, uh, in comics and stuff, a character who you actually know, like, have seen quite a, you know, a few times by this point, so you'd think he's a, he seems like a good guy, too, he's like... Always chumming around with Coulson, like this is a guy I can trust, and obviously yeah, that's not the case. I think he was in Thor with Coulson. Uh, he was in Item Forty Seven, um, kicking ass actually. In Item Forty Seven, he was in the Consultant too. That's when him and Coulson were talking he was about in the Consultant. Uh, he was in Avengers. But like, if you if you weren't like if you're just kind of more like a mainstream Marvel fan, you might not pick. You know, like when you see movies, because a lot of people, a lot of people are just more casual. People see them like the movies when they come out, and then. Don't watch him again for a long time. So a character like Sitwell might not necessarily register. Like he, so so for those of us who are you know very into the MCU and you guys like you see this character, it's like oh yeah, we've like these little bread cups and seen, seen this character kind of in different situations. That's like oh fuck, he's Hydra. It's like oh god no. Yeah. So all the Maximiliano Hernandez fans out there, <laughs> they might recognize him too. Um, so so he's on there, and then we have Batrock. Who is a classic cat villain, who's who's French, has a ridiculous mustache and a ridiculous outfit, and he, he's called Batroc the Leaper. He leaps around everywhere. And who did they cast for Batroc? Who did they? GSP. Oh, that's who GSP plays. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Good. So instead of a French guy, they take a French, French Canadian. Canadian. Well, that's just like, like, like French guys. I, I thought about GSP, but no, he's French Canadian. Like, oh yeah, hey, close enough, you know. Yeah. No, and it, it's it's awesome because he's doesn't really talk a lot, and he has this awesome fight scene with Cap, and he's like, "Oh, I thought you were more than just a shield." And then Cap throws down the shield. No, she's the shield, and then has some like says something in French because of course Cap knows French. What does he do with downtime? <laughs> Uh, and then they duke it out, and he kicks his ass even with the shield sheathed, and that's yeah, that's pretty scene. awesome. Yeah, just that whole intro scene, just like uh, it's kind of cool seeing like a a shield operation in action. You know, like we do see it in Agents of Shield, but like 
you know, this isn't the... Like, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started to get good after this movie, essentially. When, when Hydra came out of the wings and started to destroy S.H.I.E.L.D., like, that's when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got good. <laughs> so yeah. up until this point, we hadn't really seen, like... There had been things on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but nothing really that epic. Like, this is, like, kind of, like, you're, like, drop like, right into the middle of a S.H.I.E.L.D. operation, seeing all the moving pieces is pretty cool. A nice little touch. Totally. Um, and, yeah, I love this scene, too. He knocks... Batrock through the wall, punches him out, and then you see the depth of field focus, and we see uh, Black Widow in the background going, hey, what's up? And she's just so nonchalant, <laughs> doing her own mission, getting some information from the Lemurian star. Um, you know, he's kind of pissed at her because she's got her own mission, doing the spy thing, and isn't a super fan. We cut to the Triskelion, where we see the World Security Council... Which at this point, I think Gideon Malik is not a part of. Um, no, Malik is. We see. Well, I don't think it's ever explained why he's not a part of it, but like he, the, the, like it's he doesn't show up between I think Avengers and then I think he shows up on season three of Shield, which is like a few years after this movie came out. Yeah. So. While we saw him in Avengers, he's not part of the members. <laughs> then we have a bunch of members of this World Security Council. I guess one of which is alive because uh, Black Widow pretends to be here. Oh, true. Um, what you doing over there? Are you texting during our podcast? Maybe. I apologize to all the listeners. I thought I heard a vibration go off in the back. See, listeners, I uh, I'm more conscious and, and put my phone on silent. Although I do, I have been told I click my mouse and type a bit too much, which is fair. Just when you're excited and want to look stuff up all the time. So I apologize for any. Well, just apologize for any background noises from us. Uh, we'll take that time now to do that. So where where were we? Uh, so we're in the Triskelion. We get introduced to uh, Alexander Pierce, um, who's played by Robert Redford. Robert Redford, not, not Robert Redfield, but Robert Redford, which is a nice parallel because one of the things I remember reading about uh, I don't know if I was reading an interview with the Russo brothers or Cat or uh, Chris Evans or whoever, but they were saying what they were going for with, with this movie was like a seventies conspiracy thriller like like all the president's men which has robert redford in it so i thought that was a nice and that's one of the things i love about this movie is like it has that it, it, it kind of i like i like the marvel movies that kind of take genres like this is like a you know a thriller kind of paranoia movie ant-man's kind of like a heist movie you know i like when they kind of play with different genres on top of the superhero genre and that it really works well in this because like they really get the feeling that like who the hell can cap trust when like he doesn't know if a guy like sitwell can be hydra and crossbones like who who can he trust? Like, and I really think that's why. Like, even like, you, there's there's times where you're doubting Nick Fury, and like, that's when you're when you're doubting Nick Fury. That means you know you've kind of they've done a really good job of creating this atmosphere of, of paranoia, which works really well in this movie. Uh, who was in all the Kingsmen with uh, all presidents? Men, would you say? It's uh, Robert Redford and uh, I think Dustin Hoffman. Okay. It's a really good movie. I've uh, seen for a very long time. I need to watch it. I, th- I think he's in a couple movies with Paul Newman. Oh no no it is sorry no it's I think it, is it. Now, it might be Paul Newman in All the President's Men. Let me look it up. All the President's Men is... Oh, no, no, it's Dustin Hoffman. But Paul, I think Paul Newman and Robert Redford are in a movie together that's going to be embarrassing. Two of them. Yeah, which... Um, I don't know any of them because I don't know Robert Redford at all. But when Robert uh, Alexander Pierce is having his talk with uh, Winter Soldier, he opens up his fridge. 
Mm-hmm. And he has Newman's own salad dressing. In oh, the they're, they're in the sting together. That's it. Another classic movie. And also, listeners, just please ignore that comment that Jeremy made about not knowing who Robert Redford is. He's, you know, just, just, just we'll pretend it didn't happen, listeners. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm a Robert Redfield expert. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that there. I thought that was cool casting. And like, and it, the, it's great the star power, like, the MCU seems to attract. Like, classic, kind of very well known actors, like Robert Redford, like Michael Douglas, like, all these kind of like very renowned fucking Anthony Hopkins, like these renowned authors, like yeah, like, that's like, I mean the I, the talent that they attract when you compare it to like DC and stuff, like it's pretty impressive. Totally. Um. Uh. So, so we get introduced to them and stuff, and then, uh, you know, um, Cap talks to Nick Fury, is pissed about Black Widow doing this whole spy thing, and then he shows Cap Project Insight which is three helicarriers that they're working on to be able to target anyone, you know, preemptively before they do something. And Cap's like, oh, that's weird. I thought the punishment came after the crime. And he goes, we can't afford to be that naive. (laughs) And they have this kind of debate where Cap's like, no, these are my morals. This is how we do things. I don't agree with S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's this really interesting... um, You know, like... Uh, no, I, kind of not an obstacle, but like I see a, what you're saying. This is kind of the first time that Cap is starting to really question things, you know. Like in Cap, first, first Avengers, just whatever the government told him to. In Avengers, he yeah. was just like fighting for the team, which was make sense. But like <clears throat> this plan, he did question Fury in Avengers though about Phase Two when uh, Tony kind of outed out what they were doing with the Tesseract. Um, so it is kind of interesting that yeah, he's still with Shield, but he's starting to question all the shit that they're doing, which leads into Civil War where he full on like you know, leaves, you know, like, like, leaves the team, and, you know, something that you wouldn't have really thought possible from a character like Cap, like, the, like, uh, if anything, going into Civil War, I would have, would have thought the roles would have been reversed, like, it would have been Cap arguing to join up with everyone in Iron Man, saying, like, no, let's not do it, so I thought that was interesting that they kind of flipped that, and it was Cap who was like, no, like, let's not just blindly follow these orders and stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you're ever in a comic mood, it would be really interesting to do a podcast on stuff like this. I told you I have 150 issues of the entire, like I think I think I'm missing maybe four issues, but I have the entirety of all of the Civil War issues and all of the spinoffs in actual comic form. Right? Yeah, it'd be cool to read. I'd be down to, to read like a that, that'd be a lot, but I could do like a that that would be something I could do more realistically, like an arc like that, or like a where you have all the comics because I, I don't like just reading parts of things. I like reading the whole thing. Yeah, that's super good. I also have Darkest Night, Brightest Day, nice, um, which I haven't haven't read, uh, but. It's the only DC comics I've ever say, you can't have, it was a stat. It's Green Lantern. You can't have too many other DC comics. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Project Inside, the new Hollow Carriers, he makes a comment how they had their uh, their fans completely redone with uh, Repulsor technology after uh, Tony Stark got a really up-close look yeah. at the propellers, <laughs> which is a great nod to uh, <coughs> Cap and Tony's uh, little... Adventure there on the helicarrier. Yeah. Um, and then kind of funny, uh, when Black Widow picks up uh, Steve at the beginning when he's talking to Sam Wilson, she goes, Hey, fellas, I'm heading to the Smithsonian. Uh, anyone seen a fossil? Har <laughs> har. And then they actually go to the Smithsonian Museum, and that's where Cap has his, uh, his exhibit there. Yeah, and so it kind of introduces us to Bucky and their friendship and what happened to them, so they can set that up for later. We talk about the Howling Commandos, the originals, and stuff like that. 
Um, and they have a quote about Captain America from President Matthew Ellis, which is connecting with who the president is and who has been set and cast uh, from Iron Man 3, which is interesting. Yeah, well, I like that. They, they, it made sense that the president had to somehow get involved. So I like how they, they've had him consistently, like, like it's President Ellis, like you said here, he shows up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, I like that. I like that consistency. It's just like, it's a small thing, but it's a nice touch. Totally. Um, so, we have Cap visiting Peggy, who's still alive, but is uh, kind of suffering with Alzheimer's. Which I was that shocked she is... was alive. I thought for sure she'd be, she like, she would have been killed off. I just didn't see her, which I was so happy that she was, like, still alive. I just thought she would have died at, like, you know, old age or whatever. But it was kind of, I really like that. Her and Cap are able to, uh, you know, reconcile after, like, literally decades of not seeing each other. I like that idea. Yeah, and that's, Cap's, uh, that scene just kills me. It's such a good Yeah, movie. it is. Um, uh, so, yeah, then when you also have the scene where Cap's visiting uh, Sam Wilson, where he's talking to, uh, you know, veterans and doing that kind of whole thing. Um, and I really like that about Sam. That kind of... Uh, yeah, changes his character a little, which I don't think Sam Wilson ever had any army uh, experience in the comics. I think he was just kind of the sidekick to Cap, but kind of became a soldier through, you know, being a sidekick. Oh, interesting. I sort of so, assumed he would always be a soldier. It just it really works with their relationship. Like, uh, yeah, like yeah. I like the fact that they're both soldiers and they both kind of like Cap. They can, they both get what's going on. Yeah, so I like that choice. It, it works. Um, we got we got Maria Hill in this uh, getting uh, uh, Fury, Fury starts to kind of sniff out something wrong with Project Insight, so he sends Maria Hill into deep shadow conditions, um, and then you have that that scene with Fury in his car yes, when the I love fake that cops scene. are going after him. Another great scene. It's just like every scene in this movie is like next that, level. Like all the actions just perfect. That's up there with like like it's not like one of the great like action scenes. It's just the way it's done is so well done. Like just like and, and how resourceful Fury is. Like that it just that's one of my favorite yeah. like action scenes. While it's not necessarily the most epic, I just think it it, it just hits everything. It's really cleverly written. Yeah. yeah, like he's got the you know the hull uh, the the glass integrity or whatever and then he's like hold it like don't do countermeasures yet, and then it gets to 1%, and he goes, now, and he pulls the gun out, and with the last 1% of the glass, breaks that and starts shooting everyone and goes to town, and it's just like, it just shows Nick Fury's a badass, he's smart, he's at the top for a reason, and like, yeah, exactly. even outnumbered like that, he is prepared and handles shit. Because we haven't seen Fury in, uh, in action, really, have we? Like, we've seen, like, we've seen him a bunch at this point, but he's never actually seen, have we seen him much in combat? Like, he, and even in the Avengers, he's kind of... I think that's the only time. Yeah, because in the Avengers, he's, he's just called yeah. the shots, like, he's the big boss, and he's you know, he's very involved and very important in what's happening, but you don't actually see him, like, kick ass. So it was really cool to see Nick Fury kick some ass. And then also that scene that he's, you know, he's kind of escaped and he's driving away and then he's like, find me a safe house now. And then it's like calculating root. And then it just kind of has the scene where the music kicks down a little bit and it shows his face and you think that the scene's going to turn down and then it shows him driving like it's going to fade out and then you see a depth of field, and all of a sudden Winter Soldier's just standing there out of nowhere in the middle of the road, and is walking towards him. And then that scene happens, and it's next level. Yeah. And just having Winter Soldier be introduced like that is awesome, and just like the last thing you expected, and just brilliant. And refresh my memory, um, um, after Cap 1, we we do, we haven't seen what happened. Like, Bucky falls, but we haven't seen him since then, right? Like, when he falls off the train? 
Yeah, no, you you see him die in that movie. They set that up, um, and the only thing you see of Bucky is you see him in the Smithsonian, so they can remind you this is what yeah. happened to. So it's completely unexpected. Uh, I think when it happened in the comics, it was like totally next level unheard of, like Cap being Hydra, like crazy twist. Um, and then we have uh, Agent Thirteen uh, as a spy being, you know, Steve's neighbor or whatever. And uh, she's on the phone. And then she's like, okay, yeah, no, I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. And she gets off the phone and sees Steve and she goes, sorry, my aunt's kind of an insomniac. And Peggy Carter is her great aunt, I think. So that's a really interesting kind of nod there. Right off the bat, if you're, like, looking for Sharon Carter, you see this blonde woman, you're like, maybe that's her. And she mentions her at that's that's a nod right there. Mm. Um, although I don't know if she's still her aunt in the comics. I think that might be a MCU creation. But regardless, if she was talking to her, that would have been interesting. Um, uh, and then, you know, Cap's been had had Black Widow being like, "You should ask someone out. What about that uh, that nurse that lives down from you?" And he goes, ah, "I don't know. I don't know." Which is funny because Black Widow must know that she's undercover. Must know who she is. So the fact that she was like, you should ask out your neighbor, that nurse, who's not actually a nurse, I feel like she was subtly trying to, you know, steer him in the right direction there, which is kind of interesting. Well, something I find interesting, too, like, uh, again, I like that they don't, just because there's a male and female that are, like, friends, they don't necessarily have to be romantically involved, but there is definite tension between, like, Black Widow and, and Cap, and, like, it's just interesting to see, like, like, did she ever, because, like, you know, in this, we, we see her in the next movie with Hulk, and with Bruce, and, uh... You know, that, like, they definitely have, like, a relationship there, and that's definitely the forefront. But, like, I don't think it would be that unfathomable for the two of them to get together, you know? That's the best part about this movie, is they write it with that kind of tension, and any other writer would make that be a thing. But, yeah, like, that's true. They, they make that a thing, and that's kind of Black Widow's thing, is she's a spy, so she's used to kind of, you know... Flirting. Flirting with people, and playing the game, and, you know, doing what she needs to do, and... Um, she kind of does that as just part of like a habit with Steve and Steve doesn't fall for it. And it's just there as, as a friend for her. And I feel like that is the best part of the movie, their relationship with that. You know what I mean? That he's just straight up like, yeah, like I, you know, and then they're, they're in the car together after the whole, uh, Hydra thing. And they're, they're at Sam Wilson's place after the car. And, uh, she's kind of like, you know, like, I appreciate you looking out for me and all this stuff, and, like, I want I want to know if the tables were turned, would you trust me to have your back like you had mine? And then he goes, I would now. And it's just kind of this moment of, like, respect between the two of them. And, yeah, there's so many times when they're in the mall and they have that kiss to, uh, to throw things off. It's like, again, the kiss is clearly uh, a, a tactic to cover their ass, right? And, like, Steve being who Steve is, you know, he's like, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. And, you know, she's like, are you, uh, she's like, see, uh, public, uh, you know, public displays of affection make people uncomfortable. And then he goes, yeah, I don't know that that's the word I'd use. (laughs) Because, like, he's clearly, there's clearly an attraction there. But it's like, you know, just because there's an attraction doesn't need to be more. And that's Cap in in a nutshell. He's like, you know, 
he wants something more from a relationship. He's not just going to be with Black Widow because she's hot and because there's a sexual attraction there. Like that's that's not enough. He's a, he wants to be a friend yeah. to her, and that that's a good point. I feel is really indicative of her uh, personality and kind of her background as and her character, especially after everything goes down. She's kind of like I got to go make a new cover, and you know, kind of find out who I am. You know, and, and he makes comment about her just being like. You know, always playing a different role and never really being herself. And then he's like, that's got to be a hard way to live. And she goes, well, it's a good way not to die. So, like, she doesn't even really know who she is. And it's, I don't know, kind of just the reaction Cap gave her and the response, I feel, is really strong and, like, a really important part of the, the movie. Yeah, you make a lot of good points there. I have nothing else to say. You've got to cover that succinctly. I think that's, that's really, you're right. That's smart writing. Like, they, they can, there's that tension, they've laid it down, but. It's not the girl for Cap, and they don't have to just make out or do whatever for the sake of a movie. That's very, yeah. very good point. Yeah. Um, so so we have Agent 13 doing her laundry, and then Cap's kind of, like, takes the hint, like, hey, um, if you want, and then he stops and goes, if you want, uh, you can use my machine. Um, so you don't have to go all the way downstairs or whatever. Like, you're, you're welcome to use my machine, he says. And she goes, oh, what's the, what's the price for that? And then he goes, cup of coffee? And she's like, uh, maybe next time. I've already got a load down there, and I just did a rotation of the infectious disease ward, so you probably don't want that. And he says, oh, okay. He just, he leaves it at that, and he walks away. And then I think she says something else like, but uh, thanks for the offer, though. And he's kind of like, all right. And at that point, I had to stop and be like, is Steve Rogers not the perfect man? <laughs> like, what a dreamboat, and what a respectful way to ask someone for a cup of coffee. Like, just, he, he really is from a different time, but also, like, not to say men were better in that time. I don't think they really were. But, like, the fact that he's just not a creep and is just a super respectful guy to every woman in this movie is just just says so much about him as being you know the the lead role and the super soldier and kind of the you know the best a human can be i just respect that it's so subtle and it's like i don't know i want to i kind of want to see this creepy I, I just imagine like he's like he's like the same in every way but he's a super creep with the ladies i think that would be an interesting uh trope for marvel to <laughs> subvert it wouldn't work at all and it would be so awkward but i, I a part of me would want to see that where he's like like super creepy and just like you know i think that'd be a Interesting thing to explore. You should read The Boys by Garth Ennis. Yeah? Oh, Garth Ennis? Yeah, he's a pretty legendary writer. Yeah, he's 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 known for, like, I think the best uh, Punisher material. Yeah. Um, he In The Boys, one of the characters, he literally uh, modeled after Simon Pegg. Oh, really? That alone? Like, you itself. look at the art, you're like, that's Simon Pegg. <laughs> that seals the deal. And, yeah, it's kind of like uh, the idea of, like, a Justice League and these these, you know... There's basically a Superman in it, but he's he's a super creep. So he's this all, you know, just great person, but, like, deep down, because they're super people, they do really fucked up stuff. Um, and it's a wildly disturbing series. I read the first uh, trade, and I was like, this is fucked up. Um, wow, that wow. sounds good, actually. That sounds but, interesting. Cut. Yeah, kind of what you described, where it's like it's like this perfect guy, but then it, he's also super creepy. Well, see, that's what the thing that, that would obviously have no place in uh, mainstream Marvel movies. Like that'd be so out of place. Yeah, but like, yeah. I like that idea. Like in Jessica Jones, like how he was like, you know, like uh, Kilgrave was like a a villain, but he wasn't like after world domination. He was he was just like a a creep, like a sick guy who lived, like you know, like and I thought that was an interesting angle, like to take for a villain. Like they've never really 
explore that in the Marvel Universe for good reason. Um, so yeah. I'm glad the TV shows are able to, to do that a bit more. Totally. Um, so yeah, uh, we have the, the, another great scene where Nick Fury is kind of confiding in Steve and there's the tapping, uh, the bug, you know, the, the whole house is tapped. And then in the middle of Nick Fury going to say something, he just gets shot out by Winter Soldier through the walls, and then that blows Agent 13's cover, and then, you know, Steve's chasing after uh, Winter Soldier there and using his shield to blast through walls. That whole scene's great. He throws the shield, but he catches it with his metal arm. That scene's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I I guess... Uh, we later see a flashback of Bucky losing his arm after he's been rescued by Zola and having a, how he got his metal arm. So I guess that's the Empire Strikes Back reference there. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Because, yeah, I guess, Some, yeah. Because you watch it recently, there's nothing else in the movie that you can think of that has a an arm soaring off? Not off the top of my head, but I feel like one of the movies in, uh, in Phase 2 had a random person getting their arm cut off, so I don't know. You could be onto something. But I think that might be the one. Um, yeah, so uh, we have um, Agent 13. Yeah, so that whole thing happens. Um, they, uh, you know, Steve's got that great elevator scene um, that I love where he's like, if anyone wants to. Um, uh, like step off like now's the time and 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 just busts everyone's ass just shows like steve is like on the ball he's aware of all this stuff sees people sweating you know what i mean just like gets gets his shit figures stuff out and just another kick-ass awesome scene him running through the elevator and you know fighting rumlow and that whole scene just again awesome stuff um and uh yeah um then they're at the mall, right? Yes. And you see DC Pearson. Um, uh, Cheryl? Am I getting knocked? Is it, oh my god, I locked the door. Hold on a sec. <laughs> sorry, sorry, people. Technical difficulties here. Oh, and I think Jeremy's got himself into some trouble. We'll just have a, a running guy. I want to talk more about Captain America, but I started to have a one-sided conversation. So we'll just sit here and uh, and listen. And uh, <laughs> I would consider, my friend, maybe cutting out like uh, the last... 30 seconds, just because it could hear you in the back. I mean, you can leave it in. I was running it. I had a running commentary, too. So whatever you decide is fine, but I uh, just want to let you know. Yeah, I assumed I would be audible. Uh, I, I will probably do that. Okay, <laughs> um, so DC Pearson from uh, from College Humor uh, fame, but also uh, him and the other guy from uh, Derek Comedy, which was the College Humor. Uh, group um, were background and in a lot of extra stuff in community. I think they were the journalist club and a lot of stuff. They wrote the jokes for uh, Pierce when he wanted all those gay jokes. <laughs> um, 
so he's there and he's he's the Apple uh, employee or whatever, which is a fun little cameo among uh, the others. Um, we we go back to camp. I want to say it's Leahy, but it's Lehigh. I don't know how to pronounce it. So the the camp where he was trained in the first uh, Captain America movie. Um, they they see Zola there. Uh, obvious reference for comic fans. Uh, Arnim Zola, who's in the first one, eventually uh, to make himself live longer, puts himself into a like a a giant robot suit where he's got a screen on his stomach with a face. So when you see Zola's face on computer screens, that's a huge reference for that to famous cat villain Mm. Um, and I I find it weird that he's stalling Cap so that his entire hard drive and database can be blown up Uh, that doesn't really sound like Zola so I would bet that money that uh, he's backed up somewhere else and is still alive oh oh so he's still alive yeah interesting but I can you see him coming back in like a no yeah but but in, in, in realistic terms, like, he doesn't seem too upset that he's, you know, survived all this time and is getting blown up, and that does not sound like something he's able to do, so he's got to be around somewhere. That's true. Good point. Um, we have uh, Jasper Sitwell getting picked up by uh, Kath and, and Sam Wilson and Black Widow there. Uh, he does a reference where he talks of, he tells him what Project Insight does. and uh, Oh, h- him and Senator Stern are talking. Uh, so Good old Senator Stern, the real hero of the MCU, like the kindest, <laughs> nicest guy. <laughs> Obviously, who the MCU is built around, Senator Stern. Yeah, and then he's being a super greaseball, talking about uh, this twenty-three-year-old uh, that he's been oh yeah sleeping with and just being super greasy. Um, they, and then they say hail Hydra, which you know explains why Stern is such a dick. <laughs> um, but then when they're interrogating uh, Sitwell about. Project Insight, he mentions, like, Bruce Banner, and then he, he name-drops Stephen Strange. And then I think he also does some references to some other stuff that, that's kind of, like, could be anything. He says something about a college graduate in Iowa, and then he says, like, a guy in Cairo, Egypt, which I think some people thought was maybe a Moon Knight reference. Um, and people have been thinking Moon Knight might be getting his own TV series for ages now, so... Interesting. Well, maybe that's why they, they, they probably do that. Like, you know, they, they, they can throw out, like, a little... Easter egg, just in case there's something there without actually fully committing to it. Like, I'm guessing by that point, they already knew they were doing Doctor Strange. They were able to, like, say his name, you know. I don't think they did. No? I think that contradicted with... The fact that they said his name kind of contradicted with the fact they made a movie with him. Like, it didn't really make sense, I think. It didn't? Well, I guess... Why would, yeah, I guess why would he say that if, if Strange has the accident? There would be no indication that he was... Super, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fair. But that, that's, that's... I think that's just one of those, you know, continuity errors that we discussed before, where they just, like said something and then the timeline didn't exactly work out or totally totally and i think i think someone actually found out a reason to explain why it happened but uh but i don't think they knew steven Str- uh, dr strange was going to happen at that point in time i think it was something they wanted to do but uh hadn't figured out yet. true um you see the scene where bucky is uh getting brainwashed again um and they're wiping his memory or whatever Poor bucky always and, getting uh, always getting brainwashed one of the guys that's in the room, I think, that is actually brainwashing him. He's got, uh, he might have glasses, I don't know if glasses. He's got bald head and a goatee. That is Ed Brubaker, who wrote Captain America and the Winter Soldier story. They actually put him in the movie. Oh, nice. Let's get a little shout out because that, 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 that's nice. I like that. And also, because uh, I think there was a lot of issues with not giving uh, 
the right writers their credit and their due and stuff. So the Russo brothers were kind of like, we wanted Brubaker to be in the movie to give him proper respects, right? Nice. Um, and when they find out that uh, Nick Fury's still alive, um, I think one of the Russo brothers is actually one of the people that is like directing them to Nick Fury. Oh, really? Yeah. And this is the one where you finally get a cameo. This is the cameo by uh, Abed, right? From Community? Uh, that Yeah, that happens later in the, when they're doing the giant fight at uh, the Triskelion. There. Ah. Um, we, uh, we have the Bucky and Cap fight at some point, um, which is... So, someone posted on Reddit and was like, this is still the best fight scene in the entire MCU. No, you'll have to refresh. Um, where, which, which fight scene is this? Where are they fighting? This is where they're on the... It's a great scene in general, another awesome action scene when they're on the uh, the highway or whatever. Oh, the highway scene, yeah. That, that whole scene. They awesome. mask Bucky and then capture them and stuff like that. But uh, um, specifically where Bucky has his knife and he's trying to stab Steve with it. And Steve's like using a shield and then he knocks the shield out or something. And then they're just like dropping this knife and doing some crazy yeah. choreographed moves. And it's just super awesome. Um, uh, at some point they mention that, uh, oh, when Bucky finds out, sorry, when Steve finds out that Bucky's alive, he's like, Zola did some experimentation on Bucky when I found him, um, and rescued him. What he, whatever he did must have helped Bucky survive the fall back in, you know, 45. And that's, that's what, uh, um, uh, and then we get our, our great Stan Lee cameo where Steve needs to get his uh, his new outfit back, or his old outfit back. Stan Lee's the security guard at the Smithsonian. And he goes, oh, man, I am so fired. <laughs> Good old Stan Lee. They always have such clever cameos for him. It's true. And then, uh, yeah, we got the Danny Pudi cameo at the Triskelion. Um, and then we have this S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, uh, Cameron Klein. And he's the one that they're like, uh, Rumlow's got the gun to his head and he's like set off the Project Insight or whatever and Captain America's made his giant speech being like, don't do that. And uh, telling them all that Hydra's infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. And then he's got the gun to the guy's head and the guy's like, sorry sir, I can't do that. Captain's orders. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy puts the gun to his head and then Agent 13 puts the gun to Rumlow's head. Uh, that S.H.I.E.L.D. agent shows up in Age of Ultron uh, when the helicarrier shows up. Oh, oh, the yeah. um, the kind of like nerdy looking kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's exactly, what you're talking about. I love that whole scene yeah. in the Triskelion just where they're <laughs> they're having that standoff. I think that's expertly directed. Like that's just the way they do that yeah. is so well done because you can just feel the tension. Yeah. Like, like who do you trust? Like, are they going to get Caps back? Like, if someone like Sitwell can be it can be Hydra. Like, who who's safe? And like, I really and just like where they're all standing off like that Mexican standoff. Oh, oh, so good. Totally. Um, yeah, when, when shit hits the fan there, uh, I didn't actually notice it, but Agent 13 kicks the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent's chair and kicks him out of the way of the computer so that he's, like, out of danger of, of Rumlow and kind of saves him there, actually. That's awesome. Do we do we know that Agent... I can't remember. Do we know at this point if Agent 13 is Carter? Like, does Cap know that Agent 13 is Carter or no? No. Uh, at the end of the movie... Um, uh, says something like, uh, uh, sorry, Black Widow says something to Steve, being like, uh, you should ask out that nurse. And then he goes, she's not a nurse. And she goes, you're not a sh- soldier. 
or you're not a shield agent or whatever. Gotcha. So, they're just like, what What was her name again? He goes, uh, Sharon. And at that point, you're like, oh, shit, Sharon Carter. That's who that is. Mm. Um, but they never actually name her as a Carter at that point. Um, uh, then the giant Triskelion fight, which is totally awesome, and Bucky and Steve and all that stuff. Yeah, I love that fight. Just like the... Uh the epicness of it, like, just, it's, you know, downtown, like, Washington, and there's, like, just all these helicarriers just falling from the sky, and just, like, yeah, just it's just so well done, and Falcon, like, flying all over the place with his, uh, I don't know if he actually called it Jetpack, I don't know what the hell, if it actually has a way- name, but, uh, just that whole scene. It's just, uh, Falcon exoskeleton. Nice. This, uh, the, 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 that whole, that whole fight scene is very, is very climactic, you can feel the stakes, like, what's gonna happen Ooh. if they lose and stuff, which... When I guess when you compare it to something like Thor, the movie before, you can see like how the difference between like you know a, a decent climax versus like a all balls to the wall, like you don't know what's gonna happen next type of climax. Totally. Um, another numerology bit there. Uh, when Bucky goes up to try and fight Steve, uh, he shoots up a bunch of people and hijacks one of the planes, and the the plane he gets in that he flies up to has the number forty two on the side. Oh. Let's bring it back to forty two again. Yeah, there's no way it's a coincidence. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just generally the fight scene with uh, Cap and Bucky kicking ass while also fighting over a single data chip that he's trying to input into the helicarrier. I, I just really love when a fight scene has something like interesting going on alongside the you know the awesome choreographed fights. They're also you know trying to get this thing while not destroying it and uh it's it's super interesting fight scene mm-hmm. and just cap trying to plead with uh with winter soldier because you know they've established their relationship yeah. in the first captain of america so you already have a you know for pre-knowledge of what what that relationship is so actually seeing him try and like you know plead with him a little bit and trying to like recognize who he is and like get him to come back he can see like the smallest glimmers that, that like bucky's still in there yeah and you see some uh some flashbacks of them, and, and then when uh, Cap finally throws down his shield, and, and it's just like, you know, like, I'm your friend, Bucky, don't do this. And then Bucky's punching him in the face, and he's like, you're my mission! And then he goes, then finish it. Because I'm, I'm here to the end with you, pal. Yeah, that's... And then that's when Bucky's kind of like, shit, and then yeah, they just fall into the water. That's a really good Bucky scene. Bucky rescues him, and then goes off. Um, and then I really like they have the whole like aftermath after Hydra's been destroyed and Shield's been you know uh, disassembled and stuff, and you see kind of the aftermath where everyone's going. Um, Agent Thirteen joins the CIA. Uh, Maria Hill applies to work for Stark, and she's actually taking I think uh, uh, a lie detector test just to make sure she's not like Hydra or whatever, and you know that Tony can trust her somewhat. Um, oh, it's, I forgot I forgot she was going to work for uh, for Stark. We haven't seen Marie. Oh, no, no, she was in Age of Ultron. Then after that, I don't think we've seen her yeah. since then. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen it, I forgot that, too. Uh, we see Senator Stern get arrested. Uh, we see Brock Rumlow, who, you know, getting picked up from the remains of the Triskelion all disfigured, and that's kind of how Crossbones gets born. Um, Which I was expecting him to come back, like, uh, you know, and I didn't know who he was as a character, so when he starts off at Civil War and you realize it was him from... Uh, Winter Soldier. That was a nice little, nice little tie in there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, before we get to the pre-credit scene and the post-credit scene, any uh, final words on the movie? No, I think we covered it. It's just that this is an awesome, excellent movie. Like, it, I, I, I really love this. I'd say 
definitely top five, possibly top three. I'd have to. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to to rate them. I've only given a few MCU movies five stars, but that's not like most. Most of them are like you know four and a half or above. But like this one, yeah, no, I'm nothing bad. This is just an excellent movie. One of the, one of their best, and uh, it just really sold me on the character of Cap. I liked him in Cap One, but this is like where I was like, oh, Cap is like a legitimately awesome character with like some nuance to him. So yeah, yeah that's about all I have to say about it. Uh, when we get to uh, Age of Ultron, we'll re uh, redo all the movies and stuff. But uh, this is the only one aside from Avengers that's gotten five stars. So what what do you think is better, Avengers or Winter Soldier? Ooh, that's, yeah, that's really tough because Avengers is always going to be something about the first Avengers that's just perfect to me. Like just that will never be able to, that that first time seeing it, and like just how I've seen seen it like a hundred times since, and each time it's still amazing. Like the character beats, the the arcs, the battles. Between I, I I'll get back to you on next week. I can't choose because they're both so awesome, but in such different ways. So, do you do? Would you be able to choose? I say Winter Soldier. Um, while I agree that Avengers <laughs> is a five star movie and is amazing, uh, I feel like it might be on the lower end of my five star movies. Um, just because I don't know, like oh no, it's still up there. Though I still appreciate what that movie did for 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 the MCU, and it's I think it's still up. It would definitely be in the higher ones for me. Like it's definitely. The other movies haven't dropped it for me, despite how amazing they've been. So, yeah, where we're at now, I would say Winter Soldier is my favorite movie at this point. I remember it was when I watched it and uh, remained so for a long time. Uh, but then Avengers takes second place, for sure. Yeah, and then it gets um, hard when you have like Guard- Guardians of the Galaxy is about to get into the mix. Uh, Civil oh, War. Yeah, like, going to be tricky. Ragnarok. I mean, it's so hard to choose. Uh, that will, once we're done, I'll try and make, uh, I'll try and whittle it down to a top five by the time we're done, or at least top three. Um, so the pre credit scene, we see Baron uh, Strucker uh, has, has Loki's scepter and uh, also mentions the twins. Um, and we, we get our first glimpse as uh, Elizabeth Olsen as uh, Wanda Maximoff, uh, Scarlet Witch, and um, Alan Taylor-Johnson, I want to say his name. Alan, Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Aaron Taylor-Johnson. <laughs> You're getting close. Uh, You're thinking about Alan Taylor, a.k.a. the director of Thor The Dark World. True, true. Uh, as Pietro Maximoff, uh, Quicksilver. Um, and I remember that scene getting me so hyped super excited for that um this is um this is this kind of starts off a thread that will be followed all like the 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 scepter um in their possession then then they deal with it a bit on shield and in the comic as well that we'll talk about uh when we do ultron and then that carries right into the avengers so it's kind of like it's kind of like a a little arc that starts right here with the with strucker working on the the scepter true um, and then if you wait to the end of the credits, we see Bucky wandering about the Smithsonian, uh, reading up about himself and kind of the start of him getting to, you know, fight his conditioning and his brainwashing and find out who he is. Yeah. And that is Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Would watch again. Awesome movie. Totally. So... Next week, we will um, be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Volume 2, and the tie-in comics. 
That's right. I'm looking. I'm really looking forward. Guardians of the Galaxy uh, is just so amazing. I'll, I can talk about that for days, and you can incite give me lots of uh, comic related facts. I know you love your your Guardians. I do. I'm actually. Uh, that was one of the ones where I knew a fair bit about them when I actually saw the movie, which was kind of nice. More more than I usually do about characters. Um, not as much as Spider Man, but uh, yeah. Well, okay, everyone. I do, my, I do know my life. Thank you for uh, thank you for listening today. Yeah, and uh, Jesus, how long have we been podcasting for? Five hours. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, five hours, pretty much five hours mm-hmm. on the nose. Basically. Alrighty, uh, we'll see you all next week for week ten. See you all next week. Peace out. Bye.